and welcome to the Autism Podcast. My name is Onikage, and this Autism Podcast, like my blog, provides various autistic content. I am autistic myself, and I want to promote acceptance and to explore various stories and personalities from the autistic community. This podcast will feature guests that are involved in the autistic community in some way. Today's topic is growing up with autism. Autistics have various stories to tell, whether it's from themselves or on behalf from a parent or carer. Growing up autistic can either be empowering or even extremely difficult. It all depends on the circumstances on each person. Some don't even know they are autistic, but still have stories to tell. An autistic child becomes an autistic adult. Their stories still have more milestones to come. Today's guest is Chris Bonello, who has a blog called Autistic Not Weird. A teacher, author and speaker, Chris documents both his experiences and other information about autism for both children and adults. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Chris Bonello. I'm a special needs tutor and a writer for the internet and I used to be a primary school teacher diagnosed with Asperger's Syndrome at the age of 25. That's so, great. <laughs> the first question is, what were your experiences growing up with autism? Well, given that I grew up in the time before autism was uh, widely known or recognised, at the very least the diagnoses tended to only go for those with profound disabilities, I always knew I was the weird kid, I was very clearly different uh, to everyone else, and it wasn't uh, me who was different to everyone else, it was everyone else who was different to me, because, well, from my perspective, I'm completely normal. I mean, people ask me what it's like to be, uh, be autistic, and... Uh, I give about a dozen different answers to that, but the main one is, well, to me, it just feels completely normal. I mean, am I supposed to feel weird? Because it's just other people who are kind of expecting me or to an extent instructing me to feel weird. Growing up on the autism spectrum, I'm not going to invent any sob stories about my childhood because generally speaking, my childhood was great. My teenagers were a little bit less so because, and I won't go into many details, but it's largely because teenage bullies don't need much in the way of ammunition but, well, I gave them plenty of ammunition. It was very much a case of knowing that I was different, not really having any explanation as to why, and only really making peace with that difference in my late 20s within a couple of years of me getting the diagnosis. Yeah. It's funny that you felt normal in your childhood. I actually felt the same thing as well. I knew that I had maybe some problems, like special needs, but I never really thought about it. Uh, I didn't even think of the additional support I had. I just thought I was normal until I was in my teens. And then I was like, wait, something is wrong here. Why all of a sudden they're making a big deal out of this going, oh, you may have this, you may have that. They never specified until I was an adult. I remember when I was when I was about 17, uh, that was the first time I started to think, and these are my words at the time, what if there really is something wrong with it. Uh, not just wrong but diagnosably wrong with me and well I don't consider autism something that's wrong with me but at the time I was wondering what is this well if there is something that is there that needs to be diagnosed here but at the time I just put it down to a level exam stress and then just carried on with my life and uh, kept thinking I was just weird and also socially inadequate and not not really having a handle on how other people worked yeah it was like when I was 16 when all of a sudden I get got tossed labels left, right and centre going, you may have this, you may have that, and there was no specific answers. And I'm like, okay, it was an identity crisis in a way. 
But when I was an adult, I was at university or at college, I was very stubborn going, oh, I don't need help. I'm fine. But I learned the hard way. I actually did need that support. And when I eventually decided, well, I'll give the support a try, I'll have a look for a diagnosis. It was probably one of the best things that I did. <laughs> mm. Now everything started to make more sense and someone really close to me was like, you're a walking textbook, maybe you should get a diagnosis. I had a diagnosis lately and I did. And if it wasn't for that person, I wouldn't be doing this now. <laughs> yeah. Or any autism related projects I've done and those have helped me out as well. Which I, that's one reason it's why. It's surprising how much better life gets after a diagnosis. It does. Which a lot of people wouldn't think it's kind of almost counterintuitive once you're diagnosed with something like supposed to get worse but mm. if it helps you to uh, not uh, not only learn what your identity is and uh, answer questions about things that happened in the past that you don't quite understand and also helps you to uh, put into context your strengths and weaknesses and helps you to build on the person you are yeah but the next question is as an autistic person with a late diagnosis how did the diagnosis impact your life? I think it has to be seen in the context of what my life was like at the time. I was I was going through my most difficult years at the time. So after I found out as autistic, it was about a year and a half before uh, between finding out and getting the diagnosis. When I first found out, I saw autism as kind of a synonym or a word that meant everything that is wrong with me. I mean, I, I was well, I was consciously aware that it gave me my insane mathematical abilities and my incredible memory and so on, but it wasn't like that was the bit I was concentrating on. I, was, I felt very much inclined to define myself by my weaknesses rather than my strengths because of well what was going on at the time and a rather negative self-perception of I am the person who is supposed to be the failure, I am the person who is supposed to struggle. That's kind of how I saw myself at the time. So when I thought about autism, I thought, well, yeah, it makes me good academically. And obviously, it doesn't for everyone, but it, it did for me. But... Even then, that wasn't what I was f uh, focusing on. I was focusing on how autism was uh, affecting uh, affecting me negatively and the things that were stopping me from doing and how it, how it was making me relentlessly offend everyone I talked to because I didn't understand social boundaries when really a lot of the time it wasn't really me being offensive. It was just other people choosing to be offended. I mean, fair enough, yeah. we should take responsibility for the things we don't get right, but we also shouldn't unfairly blame ourselves for the th uh, things that we're not actually responsible for. After a couple of years, and uh, I, th I think one of the uh, uh, the turning moments was when I got a job in a special school. I left primary school teaching, worked in special ed, and I ended up uh, giving life advice to teenagers who were strikingly similar to me, except some had learning difficulties. Some, to be completely frank, had just been bullied out of mainstream education but not only was I doing something which was good at I was being seen by other people to be doing something I was good at and as if by magic uh, I was able to see myself by my strengths rather than by my weaknesses so it took a few years to make peace with myself but ultimately um, getting an, well, an Asperger's syndrome diagnosis and uh, coming to terms with it has been one of the most helpful things I've done with my adult life. What were the triumphs of growing up with autism? That's a pretty tough question to answer, not least because I had no idea I was autistic and, uh, until I was in my mid-twenties. But like I said right at the beginning, I knew I was different somehow. In terms of triumphs, I suppose the best one uh, would be ending up being the person who I wanted to be despite 
perhaps negative influence of other people, despite people picking on me for being different, despite me being the targets of those people who don't like it when people are different. Uh, not all friendships are created equal, and some of the uh, friends I had were negative influences. But despite all of that, I was able, at the very least in private, I was able to remain the person who I wanted to be. And once adulthood came along and I no longer had to spend time with these bad influence people, I was able to uh, become the person I wanted to be in public as well. Yeah, I think for myself, when it comes to triumphs of growing up with autism, even though I wasn't diagnosed either, I think one of the things that helped me that I actually think is a positive special interests, they kept me going throughout the years, even if they changed. Mm. Like when I was a child, one of the biggest ones was Pokemon, <laughs> or even video games in general. But Pokemon was just—it was just the just the world, the characters, the game, the music, everything. Um, it was just one of the things that had a big impact on me. Any stories that stand out? Okay, um, the one that stands out, the uh, the one that I tell most uh, is the best answer I have ever given to any test question ever. Okay, so I use this during my talks as an example of how to be well, why to be specific and clear with your expectations if you want autistic people to match them. So at the age of 11, I was give, uh, given this question. A frog is 10 metres away from a pond. Every day, the uh, frog jumps halfway towards the pond. So on day one, he jumps five metres towards the pond. Second day, two and a half metres. Third day, one and a quarter metres and so on every day jumps halfway towards the pond. The question was, where will the frog ever reach the pond? And give reasons for your answer. Do you have any ideas? Nope. <laughs> I can't think. <laughs> okay, nice pause there to uh, make sure that your listeners can come up with their own ideas. And I will now give the answer that the frog will never reach the pond. The reason being that if you only ever go halfway to something, there is always the other half left. Even if you if, if you're jumping at like subatomic levels, fifty percent of something is never the whole way. There's always the other half remaining, however small that half is. That is the mathematical answer because I I later found out that they wanted a mathematical mm. answer to it. Uh, the answer I put at the age of eleven. Well, I got the first bit right. I said the frog will never reach the pond. But when they asked me to give reasons for my answer, I said, because frogs are amphibians, and if they go for three days without water, that skin will dry up and they will die. Yeah. Which, to me, in fact, not just to me, just objectively was a much more accurate answer than the answer they wanted, which had a, a literal million-day-old frog jumping subatomic distances towards a pond and somehow not starving to death. But I was told I got that, uh, that answer oh. wrong. <laughs> but, yeah, I'd like to think that the... Uh, the moral of the, that story is a bit obvious. The more specific you can be with someone on the autism spectrum, the better we will match your expectations. And the taking things literally thing is real, and it's often hilarious yep. as well. I agree with that. <laughs> uh, I can't think of any examples of me taking things literally, but I do do it quite a bit. <laughs> uh, I, I, um, I know plenty of stories of students of mine or other teacher students have uh, taken things literally. For example... A uh, teacher, fr a friend of mine, who took a class of mainstream children on a field trip, and everyone uh, picked out a clipboard to write on, except for the uh, the lad with the Asperger syndrome. And it's always curious how it's usually the autistic per uh, person who's 
the, the last to mm. get a clipboard or be in the right place. It's almost like we're supposed to just magically know these things mm. without being told. But anyway, th- uh, this lad went to the teacher and said, um, I haven't got a clipboard, what should I do? And the teacher said, oh, it's fine, just write on someone's back. <laughs> so he wrote on someone's back. I don't think he should have been told off for that. No, I agree. Because he did what he was instructed to do. But my, my brain just done that there. Like, my brain literally thought someone's back there. Yeah. Why would the teacher ask him to write on someone's back? Oh, he wasn't saying write on someone's back. He was saying grab a piece of paper, rest it against someone's back and yeah. write on the paper. They couldn't specify. <laughs> then there was a teaching assistant friend of mine who uh, told an autistic girl to just go quickly wash her hands in the mm. toilet. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's all, there's always there's always a moment, but they can they can lead to so many fun stories. <laughs> what would you advise autistic children with growing up with autism? I've literally written whole articles about uh, about this. Um, yeah, on autistic.weird.com, there's a uh, there's an article called "Growing Up Autistic," which is uh, ten tips for teenagers and young adults on the autism spectrum. And there's a much more recent one, which is 50 tips for like specifically written for autistic children. But as, as far as I, uh, I can remember, like at this moment right now, I suppose some of the bits of advice to give would be, I'd say just about the first bit of advice that comes to my mind is, well, if you're different, there'll be quite a few people who try to make you feel worse for being different. They are wrong. Being different does not automatically uh, make you worse. If there's a class of 100 people and 99% of them get a maths question wrong and one person gets it right, does that make the one person worse than everyone else because they're the only person to get it right? Now, the world needs different brains. It needs people who approach things differently. It needs people who think about things differently. And even if school can be quite difficult, for those who are different to everyone else, it doesn't automatically make you worse or not good enough. If you're human, you have strengths. That's the rule. That's what I always say. And make sure that you define yourself by what you're good at, that you concentrate on what you're good at, and you get to do what you're good at, rather than just think all the time about the things that you're not so good at. Remember your strengths rather than weaknesses, because that's what people in general should do, whether they're autistic or not. I agree with that, yes. Definitely focusing on the strengths because that's where autistics really shine, um, especially those who have like special yeah. interests. You're a prime example as well with um, your blog and your teaching and your speeches. But you're a good prime example of how autistics shine they're with their positives. Society needs to see more of autistics being encouraged to do their positive things. For me, it's this podcast, blogging, doing photography, making music those are considered my strengths and I feel like they should be encouraged a lot more and continuing and there's a lot of autistics out there that a lot of people tend to judge but if there's a special interest and there's something based on their special interest and it encourages them to work hard on that they should encourage them to do that it also encourages neurodiversity to see a different mindset and that's the problem in society. It's just one rigid mindset. But if we focus on different brains, we have all sorts. It'd be a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah, the um, uh, on the photography notes, uh, one of the first students I worked with for uh, this educational provider I work for these days. So, um, after I left primary school teaching, I started uh, doing tuition for students who are outside the education system. And... One of the very first students to work with 
Uh, we, we did a lot of what we very euphemistically call restorative work with her. What restorative work means is basically undoing the damage done to her by a previous mm. school. And she was the most amazing photographer I've ever met in my life. And her work with close-up shots of dragonflies and damselflies, it was just eye-watering to look at. It was incredible. And she was extremely good at arts and crafts and so on. And I was the person teaching her English and maths. And I wasn't trying to teach her to be a mathematical genius or the next Shakespeare because, well, that, that wasn't her particular skill set. I was teaching her how to be good enough at maths to not get ripped off by people and enough about English to, uh, to be able to communicate using the written word. But the work that we did beyond that was teaching her that she was allowed to have mm. strengths. I mean, she, uh, she came to us having been pretty much brainwashed by previous schools, whether it's the staff or the students or a mix of both, into thinking that she was supposed to be useless because she wasn't clever at the right things. I often very cynically say that if you're good at English and you're good at maths, but you're terrible at everything else, you are what people call mm. clever. If you're an amazing musician, artist, photographer, but you struggle with your maths and you struggle with your English, you have what people call learning mm. difficulties. And whichever one you're told you have, it sticks with you. So we did a lot of work with this student teaching her that actually, yes, photography is an extremely valid skill and there's quite a demand for photographers. Uh, your arts and crafts stuff, you could absolutely make, uh, launch a small business out of that. And I'm now at the stage where I don't have to worry about her future because uh, A, she knows what her strengths are. B, she knows that she is allowed to have strengths. And C, she does have the adult support around her for the things that she does struggle with. That's great. That's great to hear because that's what we all need in the end is support. Without support, we wouldn't go nowhere. And a positive self-perception, which we don't always get automatically. Of course, yeah, that is definitely important. But I'm like that girl, um, I'm good at all creative things, but with maths, I'm absolutely garbage. <laughs> um, English, I like. I always liked writing. I've always liked mm. art, graphic design, photography, music, everything creative I love. Maths, I don't mind doing basics in that, but it just overloads my brain. Finally, any other comments? No, no I, th I think it just info dumps about pretty much everything <laughs> that I was thinking about that. Yeah, that's, that's okay. <laughs> but yeah, thanks very much for uh, participating. I will make sure to link the children autism links from your site below so people can read it and have more information. And I'll also link your actual blog as well i'll make sure i'll do that so everyone can look at your website thanks again for joining the podcast it was nice having you yeah thanks for inviting me thank you for listening to the autish podcast if you like more blog information please access autish.wordpress.com thank you for listening and stay tuned for future episodes this is Oni kage from autish signing out <laughs>